How often do you feel like your dream career is so out of reach, you just don't even know possibly how to pursue it? Maybe you're a father or a mother of a daughter who's dreaming huge, but you don't know if maybe you should support that dream or give them something more realistic. Kate Gunderson is an example of this as she fell in love with space at a young age, dreaming of working for NASA in the second grade, pursued it, and has now checked the box working in her dream career. I'm so honored to have Caitlin Gunderson on the show. I found her through social media. And as a woman in STEM, I know that she is exemplifying exactly what we need our young women to see as we pursue difficult male-dominated careers, and we can do it too. Caitlin Gunderson is currently attending the National Test Pilot School through Flight Test Engineering Fellowship. To pursue this opportunity, Kate left her dream job at NASA's Johnson Space Center, where she worked as an engineer and NASA's youngest flight science officer, supporting various astronaut training activities and airborne science missions flown all over the world. In this discussion, Kate and I not only meet virtually for the first time, but we talk about some of the stigmas and difficulties that come within male-dominated fields, how she pushed through, found that encouragement within herself, developed confidence, and is now thriving at the National Test Pilot School. I'm so honored to have this discussion with her, and I hope you guys enjoy it too. Here is Kate Gunderson. You're listening to Misunderstood Podcast, where we are setting the record straight on all things misunderstood. I'm your host, Kelly Hall Sabraki, pageant runner-up, model, speaker, wife, and U.S. Navy Lieutenant. I may have never won a Miss USA title, but I am the queen of being misunderstood. Welcome to the show, guys. What's up, world? This is your host, Kelly Hall Sabraki, and I have special guest Kate Gunderson, the plain Kate, on the show. And we've been social media friends for a minute now, but this is our first time ever meeting, talking, chatting, anything. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Kelly. I'm already like so excited because you have such a bubbly personality like me. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation. <laughs> it's uh, both me and I have a grande Starbucks. And this is my third podcast of the afternoon. So I'm just like, let's go, let's go. But I also just get like Love it. excited to meet powerful, like-minded boss women. And when I first saw your social media profile, I was like, follower for life. Literally, like I just know it's kind of like that first sense when you meet people, like you have that presence and people can have that presence via the social media platforms. Like I was like, she, although I will never, ever, ever wear NASA on any part of my body and represent that, I will cheer for you because I can tell that we have qualities that are similar. So like the listeners are going to get to know you at the same rate that I'm getting to know you on our first conversation ever Give us all like a little bit about your story and your journey because it's so remarkable. I can't even do it justice by trying to summarize it myself. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Um, I'll try not to 
ramble on too much because I could talk forever about how I got to where I am. <laughs> but um, it all kind of starts in around second grade. Really? From the beginning? I'm kidding. <laughs> From the beginning of time, yes. So the day I was born, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, second grade. <laughs> Pretty much. So I grew up in North Dakota, and I guess you could consider it a small town, um, but it's very dark at night. And so my dad and I used to stand out in the driveway and look up at the dark night sky. Mm -hmm. And I remember this one night just being absolutely fascinated by how big the universe is and how small it made me feel. And I remember thinking, I want to be part of humankind's journey to discovery. I don't know if it was like that, um, like light bulb went on at that moment, but I, I feel like... Was, was it that poetic at seventh grade? Like our <laughs> second grade? Like, oh my second. goodness. <laughs> I know. I'm like, was it really that earth shattering? But yeah, so that's when I remember like thinking about it. And I had heard about NASA. And so I was like, I'm going to do that. And I so I knew I wanted to be an astronaut. But throughout school, you know, you're in a small town and people are like, oh, you'll never work for NASA. NASA's been shut down. And so I started like letting that weigh on me a little bit. But I still thought in my head, I was like, if there's a way I'm going to make it happen. Wow. And so my family like is really big into education. And so I knew I was going to go to college. So when it came time to apply to colleges, I was like, okay, maybe astronauts like a little out there. Maybe I'll be like the person who sits in mission control. And so I um, started like Googling, what do the people in mission control have degrees in? And so many of them were engineers that I was like, I have no idea what engineering is, but I'm going to be an engineer. So I ended up going to school for engineering and I, lo and behold, it feels like wrong how easy it was. Not easy, but like how nicely everything fell into place for me. It felt like it was meant to be. Not easy, attainable. <laughs> Change that word. Yes. So I kind of set myself apart because I reached out to, I ended up going to a school. I just posted about this today. I ended up going to a school that required internships. And I was like, what the heck? How did I end up going to a five-year program? I don't want to be in college for five years. That feels like forever. But I ended up um, finding out that the reason it was five years was because you had to do internships. And so I think it was my first or second year of school. I think it was my first year. I went online again and I'm like, okay, points of contact at every NASA center. And I emailed every single one of them my resume and said, I have to do an internship. NASA's at the top of my list. Here you can learn more about me. Wow. Long story short, I heard back from only two of the NASA centers. And one of them was like, hey, are you available this and such a date? And then it went radio silent for six months. Six months, I heard nothing. And I'm like, okay, I guess, I don't know. Maybe that's not going to work out. But then one day I got a call from NASA. Oh my God. And they wanted to interview me. And so anyway, I worked at NASA for um, four years full-time <gasps> after more school. I went to grad school and all that and then started on full-time. And then after four years at NASA, I could not believe that I was leaving behind my lifelong dream job and decided to go to test pilot school on a fellowship. So that's how I got to where I am kind of in a shortened version. <laughs> and then what happens when you finish test pilot school? Yeah, for my whole life, I've known what I wanted to do. I'd miss NASA so much. I loved what I did there. I believe so strongly in the NASA mission, but I really want to have an open mind about what I do next because, and I, I need to sit down and think about it because I think my next step is really important because if I were to go back to my old role, I think I would be doing myself a little bit of a disservice. For one, NASA isn't going to select a bunch of NASA employees to become astronauts. It would be like nepotism big time. Huh. And secondly, I don't think I would be doing actual flight tests. And so I wouldn't, this program is a million dollars and I wouldn't 
be utilizing my skills. So I want to make sure that I go somewhere that's, I'm really going to be utilizing those skills that I learned. Wow. (laughs) That is so amazing. I can't even, you're so smart. I wish I was as smart as you. I am just like very resourceful, but that's about it. No, (laughs) there's something to be learned from what you just said, because I used to say the same thing. I still say the same thing, but I was starting grad school and I told my dad, I was like, I don't know why people think I'm so smart. I'm not that smart. I just work really hard. I work really hard. Yeah. That's what I say too. And I'll never forget that because he looked me in the eyes and he said, Kate, being smart and working hard are the same thing. And every time I say that, I get goosebumps because it's really true. Like if you're willing to work hard and you have the passion for what you're doing, that will take you so far and people really respect that. Yeah. And you know, if you're passionate, you're going to be good at it. Like look at you with all that you're accomplishing. Thanks. It's because you're passionate about it. (laughs) Thanks. I appreciate that podcast over. I got everything I needed already. No, I I really do love that because, you know, right off the bat, you're so relatable to this audience because people are going to see your picture and they're going to read your bio and they're going to think, not me. This can't be me. This won't apply to me. Like there's no way that anything that Kate says is something I'm going to be able to take away into my own life. And that's why I'm I'm so passionate about sharing women's stories because we all started somewhere at some point and we all there's that relatability factor no matter like if you're a doctor or a neurosurgeon or an influencer or a marketing manager or a photographer no matter what like we all had this path and we've all had to work hard at it and there's been nuggets along the way that we can share in order to continue and build that you've just explained this long pipeline of studying and academics and education and work ethic that you've applied into your life. But what do you feel like are some of the biggest setbacks you've had and how you overcame them? Oh, well, for one, my personal life in some ways has suffered because I was actually speaking the other day and some young girl in high school asked me, how do you balance like a family or wanting to have kids with this career when you're chasing a career that you, that is takes a lot of effort to, uh, (laughs) to pursue. And I really realized I used to have a really hard time because I would be dating people long distance or guys didn't want to, um, be with somebody who was going to be moving in a couple of months. And I moved here for this program and I met a guy like immediately. And we've been together like almost a year and a half now. And I really realized how important it is to have a partner who unequivocally supports you in everything that you choose to do. And you can have mature conversations about it and um, you support each other. And I really learned how important that is in achieving your dreams is having somebody like that. But at the same time, like, you don't have to think that as a woman, you have to put all that other stuff on the back burner, like you can have a career and a family, you just have to find the right partner. And that's what it is. It's a partner but you're there for each other. So, so what I feel like you're saying is like, you can do both. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is is that kind of like the theme of what you're saying? Ever since I found you online, I've been wanting to put do both on everything because I'm like, it's so true. Like what we're doing and what so many women are doing is showing that you really can have it all. You might have to do it at different times or like not on the timing you originally wanted but it can happen. Yeah. It's so funny you say that because 
I've been corrected by followers before. Anytime I've started saying like, you can have it all, they'll correct me. And they say, no, 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 Kelly, it's too complex. Like do both allows people to realize like they don't have to take on the world or in your case, the universe. They can be what they want to be and do X and do Y. Like they can be working for NASA, woman in a male, you know, dominated field and have a partner have a relationship, have a family, be a mom. Like it's for some reason, these concepts of having like two things you're passionate about is more attainable than whenever you say like, do it all. So I find myself at times being like, you can do it all. I'm a podcast host and a wife and an influencer and I'm in the Navy. And then I'm like, no, 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 like circle back, like do both. Because really at any given time, I'm really only doing like two things at once. You know, like I'm not being a model and a podcast host and a naval officer and a pageant queen all in one day. Like I go through seasons of my life where I'm really doing both. But foundationally, I'm always wife. (laughs) I'm always that, you know, so that doesn't go away. But still, like you said, you know, managing that relationship in a career and or, you know, especially a male dominated one is tough. And, you know, Austin's so insanely supportive. I could talk about him for an hour and a half. But that has changed the game, finding someone who doesn't push back or doesn't question. Because the last thing that you should have in the person that's closest to you every part of the day is someone who's questioning you. And making you doubt yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's like shouldn't like red flag, red freaking flag. Honestly, like it should be nothing but green lights all the way. I could tell Austin I wanted to work for NASA and he would say, okay, great. What's that look like? What's the program? Do we have to move again? Like, he was literally like, cool. What does that mean? You know? And I love that that's like the foundation of qualities in him and like our relationship. So, I mean, you don't have that support system until recently. What advice would you give to those who are maybe they're single and navigating this really arduous career, really? difficult pipeline, like doing it by themselves. How did you get through that? Yeah, there were a lot of times when I was by myself. And I think I've talked about this too. I think it's important to have a strong sense of self-love. So you have to love yourself first and you have to love yourself the most and set, make yourself a, I, another challenge, priorities, setting priorities, because I want to do everything, right? A priority has to be you and looking after yourself because you can't accomplish all the things you want to accomplish if you're not looking after yourself first. And so that can mean a lot of different things. It can mean setting boundaries, which I had a hard time with that for a while and I'm working on it. So setting boundaries, I love to run. So I make it a priority that I take the time for myself every morning to go and run. And sometimes that means I have to go to bed early and I have to skip going out with friends. And so it's a balancing act. You have to be able to do all that, but also again, make yourself a priority. So yeah, I, that's the advice. I mean, anyone who's ever listened to my podcast, I have several, several episodes on really falling in love with yourself first and like figuring out what matters to you before someone else comes into the equation, really those qualities that are non-negotiable in a partnership and also non-negotiable for yourself. I love that your uh, your example is running because my example is like being social <laughs> with previous partners that was always questioned. It was like, Kelly, why do you always have to go out and meet friends? Why are you always socializing? We always have to have friends over. Why are you, when you enter any sort of social environment, 
i.e. a bar. Why are you talking to 27 people? Like, why? And it wasn't until I was really, I was like 26, I got so tired of explaining myself to people. And it was like such as a core quality of who I was, you know, just I'm very social and it brings, it fills my cup, it brings me joy. And so it's nice to have a partner now who understands. I'm like, hey, I have to have a girl's night on Friday. And he's like, got it. See ya Saturday morning. Like understands that when that time comes, it's really because that fills my battery. I need that. I have to be social. I love getting that energy from other people. So, you know, with that, you've had to embrace that confidence and be secure in yourself. You mentioned before we started the show that there's been plenty of times when you were the only female in the room and obviously you're stunning and this beautiful bright white smile. Like, (laughs) have you faced challenges being a woman in your field? And if so, like, how did you manage that and move forward? I think one of the biggest challenges has been learning how to speak confidently and about technical concepts because, you know, someone sounds really smart when they use really big words. So sometimes like when I was really young, starting out in my career, like I'd come into a meeting and I'd be like, I can't talk the way that these guys talk. And it took me time to, I think a good tip is to sit in a meeting and start by saying, just try saying one thing in the meeting. It could be as much or as small as saying like, oh, I think yada, yada, this person had a really great point when they said this. And kind of eventually you'll learn to like build up to speaking more and more. So that was a challenge. And I remember vividly when COVID started, we all went online, except for when I was flying. And I was the only woman on the phone all the time. And I was always being talked over. Mm -hmm. And I saw articles about how this was happening to women everywhere. And um, Really? Yeah. Wow. And I mean, a big problem for us was nobody would turn on their videos. Yeah. And so I just, like, I could not get a word in edgewise. And sometimes I, I remember one call we were on with, like, some contractor. And he said, you're wrong. Like, flat out just said, you're wrong to me about, I was, like, the expert on the team on this one subject. And he said, you're wrong. And I remember being, like my jaw almost hit the floor. I didn't know what to say, but nobody stood up for me. And so another challenge has been finding the people who are going to advocate for you Mm. and be allies for you and speak up for you in a room full of people or in a room full of people that you're not in different, different ways. But yeah, that's been a challenge for sure. Is just like learning to have a voice. I love that very specific tip of just like say something really early because sadly especially as a woman in a male-dominated field, you kind of have to make your presence known. It's almost like people want to feel you out. Like, how is this going to go? Which is like a constant social experiment. But I have found in cases where I speak up very early on, people are like, okay, they acknowledge my, they're like, okay, like Kelly's going to have stuff to say during this meeting. Or Lieutenant Sprocky is going to have something to say during this meeting. Other times I may get halfway in the meeting, I haven't said anything. And then I get to the point where I'm like, hmm, do I feel like my opinion is valued? And I almost have this like internal conflict, like debate of, is it too late to speak up? Like if I speak up now, like, is it really going to make a difference? Or, you know, at this point, I kind of feel like I'm being walked over or being overlooked or at this point, I should be quiet. Like, I don't know. And so just like saying something from the start, like you said, kind of gets the ball rolling. I think that's super helpful. And I think a lot of people are going to take that away. Okay, within the first five meetings, like just acknowledge a comment that's being made so your presence almost is known. 
Yeah. And you don't want to be seen as like the person on the team who's like, some people don't like to speak up because they are a little more reserved and shy and introverted. But you, if, depending on the type of manager you have, they might be like, oh, I don't want to like call her out because she's shy. Well, then maybe you've now lost your chance to ever have anything to say. And it makes it really difficult. So yeah, I always just give that. Yeah, that's really, really awesome. And I will say too, eventually, especially for those listeners who maybe are starting out in their fields, women specifically in male-dominated fields, people will catch on when they see how much you care, how much passion you have, and how hard you work. And that really will speak for itself. One of my favorite examples is whenever I was uh, recruiting back in Ohio, this is while, six years ago now, but I loved recruiting, a lot of passion for recruiting, and I really was a subject matter expert. And I got to lead our medical team and it was all all guys on the medical team. So we were at Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, and I was briefing some of the directors there about our medical programs. And no matter how many, I was leading the meeting, literally leading and talking about all the programs we have in the Navy. He kept directing all of his questions to the petty officer. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. And he was like three times my size, huge biceps, like, you know, big in stature. And I'm 100 pounds. And I'm 5'2". But he kept being like, oh, okay, so sir. And like every single time. And finally, after like the third time, this guy, this doctor did it. Petty officer turns and goes, oh, I'm so sorry. She's the one that's in charge. Yes. <laughs> it was like my heart literally just exploded. And like, and I just think I was like, thank you so much for doing that. He was like, you're, but it's true. Like you're my boss. You're the one that's in charge, you know? But I feel like up to that point, like I had gained an unspoken ally and I didn't even know it. Like he didn't have, we didn't have to have a sync or a meeting or quick, like, you know, hands in. Like he had, I gained his confidence and his trust in me that I could lead this team through my passion and expertise and my, you know, the value that I brought to it. So like, it just takes some time. But, you know, within that first year of being there, people didn't treat me that way. They're like, who the heck is this chick? Like, you know, so it just takes a little time. But I think that that will shine through eventually. But that's the thing that I always want men to understand is that, like, you can be the voice for somebody who might not have one mm. because of some bias. And so it might be really good to be like, hey, there was one time in a meeting where I said something five times before anyone even acknowledged that I had said it. But it would be so nice to be like, hey, I think Kate had something really great to say. Maybe we should circle back and hear mm -hmm. what she had to say. Mm -hmm. And so something like that small can go so far. But it, I mean, I understand it's hard to be on that side of things, too, and to like speak up like that, too. So, yeah. Well, we notice it and we appreciate oh, yeah. it for sure. Mm -hmm. Are there other kind of examples where you feel like in your career you have potentially been treated differently or like any specific tips for women who feel intimidated going into fields like you have because they are a minority? Well, I, th I think about what you just said about how like as you progress through your career, it gets easier because you gain credibility. And mm. I think I've seen that that is true. My hardest times for sure were in undergrad when I had professors who I had a, an exam that I got the answer completely right. But he said that he told me in class not to solve it some way. And he literally gave me a D. And I remember thinking, like, how is this possible? My boss isn't going to come to me and tell me how to solve a problem. But this is the same professor that 
later on down the road told me that I should just change my major because something's not clicking up here in your head. <gasps> yeah. And what? <laughs> and I will never forget it. It really traumatized me. Because oh my gosh. I knew that I could get through the program because I was going to work hard yeah, and that I wanted it and I knew what I wanted, but it was like, how dare this person that doesn't know me mm-hmm. for like who I truly am say this to me. And so that's where I like always think about, like, you have to have this internal compass of like, I knew what I wanted and I knew what my end goal was. And I knew that the road wasn't going to be straight to get there, but you know, you still have this like guiding light and you know, where you're headed. And so I think that's important to try to have is like have an end goal in sight and then don't let anybody get in your way. If somebody is going to think they know you better than you know yourself, then maybe their opinion doesn't really matter to you. They've got another thing coming. I love to use that as fuel. I really do. Because just as you've already touched on, like having that relationship with yourself first, like knowing what you're capable of, no one knows you better than you. And you still even surprise yourself, right? But I have had so many people early on tell me no. So many people tell me I should not. So many people recommend that I do something differently or go about it differently. And I speak a lot to high schools and groups of young students. And one of my favorite things that I like to say my engagements is like, why not? So many times through my life, it's been this like, well, you shouldn't or you can't. I'm like, why not? And that's like two words that are so powerful. But typically, it's just because people are you're making them uncomfortable, or it's a little bit too different, or it's not what they're used to seeing, or it's easier for them. In this case, the professor is probably like, it's probably just like easier for me to tell her to do something different instead of invest a little bit more time in her to help her achieve her goals. It's just easier. So like, you just probably should not do this, you know? And I'm like, so I love using all those moments as like fuel to catapult me because I'm like, don't you dare tell me I can't do something. <laughs> like, please, actually, please, I welcome it because I will show you how I will do it and I'll figure it out. Shaking his hand at graduation was the best feeling in the world. <laughs> that I'm sure. I'm sure you should frame that. Literally frame that. Like, boom. Like, here we are. I freaking made it. So let's dig into a little bit about your your social media. I love it. I love women who are speaking out and, you know, that influence. Young women need to see it. Women like me need to see it. It makes me feel like I have allies in this community of male-dominated fields and us women who are being authentic to who we are. How did it start? How have you maintained it? Like what really perpetuated it? Yeah. So I think what started it all was in undergrad, I had so few female friends and I was in a sorority, but I had a really hard time outside of that making female friends because I felt like I, like you said, I was too different. Everybody was trying to blend all the women. There weren't that many. They were trying to kind of blend in and fly under the radar so that they wouldn't have to deal with men being like, oh, you're only here because you're a woman. And so I felt very isolated and I felt like I had, again, a hard time making female friends. So I wanted to build this community for other women to see that there are people like them and that they are free and welcome to be their authentic selves. And by doing so, they can be very successful in whatever career, especially in STEM, that they choose. And so that's really what started it all. How long ago was that? Uh, well, <laughs> I started off being what, or trying to do like beauty blogging. <laughs> really? And I loved it, but it was not where my like 
niche. My purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It was not my niche. <laughs> um, and so I think I started my blog with like the women in STEM thing probably in 2017, I think it was. So it's been a little while now, but I became the plain Kate like a year ago or two years ago. <laughs> I think it's, that's exactly when I entered into like this whole space of social media and it's funny. So were you very intentional about starting your platform or was it kind of like, does it like happen by accident? That's a good question. The blog was intentional. The Instagram, I was in Dakota Kate, North Dakota Kate forever because I used my Instagram I had had since like forever and I transitioned it to this like women in STEM thing. So that in some ways just kind of happened, but yeah, but the sharing about like my struggles and about my career path and all that stuff, that was super intentional. What kind of response do you get? What is like your number one, two or three, like biggest question or like top performing message that you share on social media? Probably the, the things that I get like the best comments on that are like, I can tell I'm really having an impact is when I talk about, you know, like the inspirational stuff of like believing in yourself and overcoming obstacles and challenges and embracing challenges, endurance, that kind of thing. The most common question, just a generic question of like, how did you get to where you are? So like, that's why I posted about that today was, yeah, I get that a lot. It's kind of like, it's hard to like put your finger on like one thing that got you to where you are. So it's like kind of a drawn out answer. And so that's why I wanted to like have a couple of dedicated posts to it. But yeah, it's funny because it's so natural for you. It's your life. It's your journey. You almost feel like you're not doing anything different. Yeah. But then to the, again, the novice viewer, listener, you know, social media viewer, they see someone, it's just like, what? It's funny because like in the military, I'm so, I'm engulfed in it. So I, you know, I know about the Navy. I know how the pipelines work. I understand like the process that's in place for most of the career fields within the Navy, especially having worked in recruiting. But then if you throw me in like the airline industry and I follow a couple of like, pilots who fly for American Airlines, I could not tell you the first step to becoming that. Like, I'm like, so curious. So it's the same thing with you. Like I come across your page. I'm like, oh my God, like there's planes and there's engineering <laughs> and there's STEM and she's beautiful. And like, I don't know what's, what's going on here, but I want to know more. Like it's, it can be a lot. So you think what you're doing is so simplistic, but it's not. You're really giving tools to people to help inspire them and push them. Do you get a lot of feedback from like young women or like teenage women even who come across your page? I do. And that's what, and you know what the interesting thing is recently I've gotten a lot of dads. Really? Yes. Who've been messaging me and are like, oh my, there was a guy the other day. He's like, I'm an F-35 test pilot and my daughter, eight-year-old daughter couldn't care less, but sh I show her your stuff and she is yeah. so inspired by what women like her can do. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, cause I was always closer to my mom, but my dad showing me that he was like accepting of all these like things that usually young girls weren't going to go and do a career in like being a pilot or an engineer. Like, you know, he was really interested in that and accepting of it. And so the fact that he was supportive made an Im even bigger impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's again, is that relatability factor? And that's always like what cracks me up the most is, you know, if I like I was at the Army Navy game back in December, the amount again of like dads 
that came up to me <laughs> thanking me because they were like, I can talk to my daughter. I've been trying to convince my daughter for years to look into the Navy or the Naval oh Academy. I showed them your page. They're immediately obsessed. And they're like, oh, my goodness. Like, look at her and her cute outfits. And then she's, like, in the Navy. And, you know, she's an officer. Oh. She's, and it's just, like, so funny to me because I'm like, I get it. That's why I do what I do. Like, I didn't see that. I wanted to be that mentor that I didn't have when I was 16. So that way, hopefully, young girls can see, like, there's a place for them, too. Absolutely. Before we get ready to go into some rapid-fire Q&A, you mentioned imposter syndrome. And I want to go into that a little bit as a final note. Like, why do you, one of the most successful people that I've had on the show, obviously you're brilliant. You know, I've mentioned all of your accolades. How do you still feel like you have imposter syndrome and how do you battle that every day? Oh, man, that's a deep question. I think, honestly, I think any human being probably deals with it at some point. I mean... It's the idea that it's only a matter of time until somebody figures out I'm not smart enough to be here. No. I think it comes from struggling. Like if you're challenging yourself, you're growing when you're challenging yourself, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. And so because of that, you're constantly poking yourself and you might be like, I don't know how to do this. Well, that's okay because that's going to help you grow. And so, you know, I'm sitting there at school today trying to do something, some CAD modeling, and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and so, you know, those thoughts about, about like, am I smart enough to be here start creeping in, but it's so normal when you're challenging yourself. And so I think that how do you overcome that? I think you have to accept that you're going to be working on a team pretty much in any job and you can't be the best at everything. Everybody brings their specific skill set, whatever it is, to the table. And that's what makes a team great. And so you don't need to be good at everything. Yeah. And so sometimes just doing your best is enough. Yeah. So I never, like, I thought this was like a term people just kind of like threw around. I was like, meh, whatever. Like a trending <laughs> term. I was like, what is imposter syndrome? And then I was at the Naval Academy back in October to speak. And... I was like looking at the pamphlet and right before my panel, which was like embracing authenticity, bring your true self to work. Like that was my panel. The panel before me was literally NASA astronauts, like quite oh. literally. <laughs> and one was a prior Navy SEAL and, you know, another one was a Submariner and, and listening to them speak on this panel. And I'm turning to my best friend who was on my panel with me. And I was like, imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome, uh, imposter syndrome, like literally just like ringing inside of my soul. I was like, ah, I don't deserve to be here. We were like scooting down in our chairs. We we're like, oh, uh, like, how are we supposed to follow this? Like, I'm not an astronaut. Like, who am I? I'm a human resources officer. Like, what? And then real quick, I gave myself a pep talk as I try to always do. And something that you just said is your experience is valuable. Everyone's experience is unique to themselves. And everyone's experience is not always going to be received by everyone and relatable to everyone. Like that's why we have to share our story because not everyone can relate to my story, but some people can. Some people can never relate to being a NASA astronaut because truly like I look at that and I think that's unattainable. I will never understand what it's like to get an A in physics. I will never understand what it's like to be able to be selected for a program like that. I will never understand what it's like to be that smart. But I know what it's like to work hard. 
and to show up and to put myself out there and to do the scary thing and to overcome things every single day when people tell me I can't do them because I live that. And that message is going to be received by people who follow in my path too. And so we, we all have a story to tell. We all have something to share. And it's not always about being relatable to an entire audience. It's about your specific audience and those who relate to you. So that's kind of like the pep talk I give myself. Like someone's going to understand my message and it's going to be relatable to them. And that's why I have to keep speaking it with lipstick on and everything else that I do. Like I have to be true and authentic to myself. So just like you're doing just in this conversation, like I relate more to you because I'm like, okay, she works hard and she struggles too. Like I understand what that feels like. Yeah. mm -hmm. I love that. Absolutely. I know. Sorry, I had to step in with my little TED Talk because I understand what it's like. (laughs) I'm glad you did. Yes. And that's what I like whenever I get like blowback from some, usually I don't want to be sexist, but some guy will be like, oh, I didn't agree with what you said here. And it's like, okay, well, maybe you're not my target audience. Like I probably wouldn't say that to them, but it's like, you're not my target audience. And that's where I've learned to like, mm-hmm. kind of like let it roll off my back because that isn't your target audience. And that's not who you're trying to help anyway. I completely agree. I think the world gets better when you realize you cannot inspire everyone. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't inspire someone. And obviously through what you're doing, you're inspiring. I'd like to say pretty candidly, a lot of young women out there who see you doing what you're doing every single day. And it's incredible to watch. And again, it's attainable. Back to that original point, it is attainable because you're showing how to do it. And that's giving them a pathway to achieve that kind of success when they may not have ever considered it. So what you're doing is really powerful and I'm cheering for you. And excited for you. Thank you. Likewise. Yes. Oh, thanks, uh, Kelly. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Before we get into some questions, tell everyone how they can find you. So I am the plain Kate on all social media. And that's plain, like how you spell an airplane. Bzz, airplane. Absolutely. And then CaitlinGunderson.com. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. And again, just being a light in this male dominated world and feel that you're in and I'm cheering for you. I'm excited for you and excited to see what's next. Oh, same Kelly. Thanks. Okay. So we're going to dive into some rapid fire questions. Okay. So Kate, first, I always ask this, this is really just for me and my personal obsession. What are you ordering at Starbucks these days? Okay. Well, I was really upset when they stopped having sugar-free caramel. So I'm a sugar-free vanilla in my latte and skim milk. Oh yeah. Skinny, skinny vanilla. Latte. Yeah. Skinny vanilla latte. I was like, oh, I almost have it there, but I'm going to let you get there first. Skinny vanilla latte. Yes. What is your like go-to, I'd say like meal or bar or something before a run? Ooh, I'm either eating salmon and sweet potato or pasta. Okay. What about work, like running playlist or marathon playlist? I make my own on Spotify and I put lots of pump up jams on there. Sometimes even Justin Bieber. (laughs) We all love the Biebs. Never going out of style. Is your Spotify playlist public? Can we find it? You can. <laughs> no promises that you'll like it. Now I'm curious <laughs> what the playlist is. 
Yeah, it's like I think it's called Boston Baby or something. That was for my um my Boston Marathon in April. I made a playlist for that. Yay! Um, do you have a <laughs> final song that you play like the last eight hundred of the marathon? No, because I have like five hours worth of music just yeah. in case because I'm that paranoid and it's all shuffled. But I remember one time the song NASA by um, Ariana Grande came on and it like was totally my jam. I was like, this is meant to be. <laughs> yeah, that's the theme song for your life. <laughs> How does your phone last that long for an entire marathon? Yeah, so my watch has a great battery. So I connect my headphones to that and I use AirPods, but I've had to start like bringing the case with just to make sure that they don't die, but I haven't had an issue. Okay, I've always wondered that. Do you do anything like during, like do like the goo or anything like that go to while you're running your training? During the race, I bring goos with. Goos. And I like liquid IV. What is your favorite thing to wear to work? If I could wear joggers every day, I would because I got really lazy over COVID, but um, it stinks because I have to wear dress clothes most days and I'm working on airplanes, which seems silly, but my favorite thing to wear would be a flight suit. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say, but I know that you don't always wear that. What is your go-to makeup product to wear to work? My favorite makeup product, I like highlighter. Okay. Because it makes me shimmer. Yeah. You're always <laughs> around going. all the guys. And then last but not least, what are your favorite like podcasts or books or audiobooks that you're reading right now? I like anything inspirational. So like Brene Brown stuff or like I loved the book Atomic Habits. What is Brene Brown? You're the second person that's mentioned that. Is it a podcast? She had a podcast during COVID. Like she had two podcasts. Um, one was called Dare to Lead. Dare to Lead. Okay. But um, she is a organizational psychologist and she has really great stuff about um, like shame and courage and like how to be a good leader. And she, yeah, you wow. read her book, Dare to Lead. It's really good. Okay. Dare to Lead. Got to find that. And then who are you following that you really love? You. <laughs> but basically. Thanks. Not prompted. I swear. <laughs> I know. Basically any women that are like showing how they can be their authentic selves in a male-dominated field, I just absolutely love. And I love cheering them on and being that community for them. I'm the same. I'm like, let's have a club. That's how I feel. It's like a social media club. And then there's, oh, there's seriously, like, it really is few and far between. Like, you would think that my feed is filled with, like, women and flight suits. and Like, it's really not. <laughs> like, really? I, like, have to seek it out and find it. So, like, when I found you, I found a couple other like women like in aviation and stuff. And I follow support, like, you know, all of that. So it's a small group, but like I said, always cheering each other on. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Yes. Thank you. You've got a fan for life now. So keep doing amazing things. Thanks Kelly. You too. Thanks Kate. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Misunderstood Podcast. I love hearing from you guys. And I want you to take a screenshot of this episode, tag at misunderstood.podcast on Instagram and share a takeaway from today's episode. Something you love, something you wanted more of, whatever it is, it helps me learn what you guys want to hear. Please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. I want to give a special shout out to my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. If you are looking to launch a podcast or if you already have one, you can get unlimited podcast editing by visiting usehatch.fm. That's usehatch.fm. Thanks so much, guys. Until next week, this is your misunderstood Kelly Hall.
The views and opinions presented here in this episode are those of myself and do not necessarily represent the views of the DoD or its components. Appearance of or reference to any commercial products or services does not constitute DoD endorsement and those products or services. The appearance of external hyperlinks does not constitute DoD endorsement of the linked websites or of the information, products, or services therein.